0: So today is the day that we break down, um, not so much the Panthers, but kind of what are we looking for in order to actually win this game. One of the things that I've said, last year this was really easy because the team was much more consistent, and I felt like, you know, easier to predict. This year, it's really kind of tough. The other thing that I'm realizing as I kind of do this more and more, and this is kind of especially with this Packers team, and you've probably heard me kind of think my way through this over the last couple of days, week, whatever. But I, I really think I underestimate the human element of football, especially when you factor in that it's a, a team sport that involves, you know, not just 11 guys or 22 guys, but you know, lots and lots of different guys at different times. And it's not just the guys on the field. It's, it's the coaches, it's the o- head coach, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. And then you factor in the other team and all their players, and their coach, and their defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator. And, you know, the the fans, and the weather, and the travel, and the decisions made beforehand, and the things going on in their personal lives. So-and-so's got a sick grandma. This guy's super motivated. This guy's, you know, hung over. That guy's, you know, girlfriend is here, and he's ready to just show the world. There's like an infinite number of variables that go into stuff. And so it, it, it's almost to the point where and it it's not perfect because you know again as i said if if it's patriots jets 99.9% of the time the patriots win that game this year the jets are just so bad and the patriots are just so good plus there's the familiarity so you know they just kind of got their number and it's just it's game over but when we're talking about a game that's panthers packers i mean it it's sort of like if if you think about it i don't i don't, don't want to get too deep or too nerd out too much on you But if you think about the fact that there are basically infinite variables and, you know, an infinite number of combinations of those variables, to sit back and say, I think I know who's going to win this game is kind of almost just dumb. I mean, there's nothing wrong with with guessing. There's nothing wrong with saying, I think this or I think that or based on these variables or based on that. I mean, you got to try to link into something but we don't know anything until they play this game. Now, we might have a better idea once we watch it, but, I mean, is it entirely possible the Packers blow them out? Yeah. Is it entirely possible that the Packers get whooped? Yeah. And it's kind of just, I mean, it's, it's almost refreshing in a way because it removes that feeling of, oh, here we go, the Packers are trash. And there definitely do seem to be patterns, right? Bad teams tend to stay bad. Good teams tend to stay good. There's a little bit of fluctuation. There's also trends, right? The Packers started hot, and they seem to be getting worse. At Pac- Defense, if I didn't say that. And so we tend to think that that just has to continue. And we saw the offense have a bad day, and that correlated with the same day that Devontae came back. So now we have to worry that something is wrong, or Rodgers, you know, keys in on him too much, or whatever. Here's the thing. We don't have to assume any of that stuff. Now, I- I'm going to, because that's why I have a podcast, but not everybody needs to do that. There, there's a sense of freedom in the fact that we can just sit down and relax and see what happens with no preconceived notion that, oh, we can't win this game. And I'm not saying anyone's saying that because, you know, even the most skeptical fans have to know that there's a fairly decent chance that a Cam Newton-less Panthers in Lambeau in the freezing cold, I mean, there's, you know, there's a couple variables going in our favor here. But I, I say all that to say that the more that that reality becomes evident. The, the less important I feel like the things I'm saying are, but there are a lot of parallels. Right? I'll I'll do this and I'll say this is the point total we got to watch for, and inevitably that that does kind of carry through. So there is some consistency, but just understand it, it doesn't even matter. I, I'm I'm saying it more or less to the people that feel discouraged, and that's even if we lose this week, a billion variables, and it, it just so happened that you know it's like f- flipping a coin seven thousand times infinite basically number of variables not literally infinite but there's a lot but at the end of the day you, you tally which one came up more that does not mean we can't beat the 49ers and i don't want to get too far ahead of myself but i'm, I'm just trying to to give you that sort of perspective because it does kind of feel good and it does kind of help you relax because i i, I as sort of a i don't know a numbers oriented person I'm, I'm worried about the panthers game and I, I need to find an answer in the number there's no answer there It just depends on whatever game plan they come up with. How does that sort of correspond to the game plan the Panthers are going to call? You know, is the offensive line going to have a good day? Is Brian Burns just going to go off? You know, after I just talked about how he's not that good so far in his rookie year. Is he going to have like a three-sack game? I don't know any of this stuff. Nobody does. We just kind of have to find out. And again, even if he has a great day, that doesn't mean the 49ers don't have a garbage day when the Packers come out of their bye. And, and we see evidence of this every single week. That team absolutely should not have lost to this team. You know, Packers-Chargers was a good example. But variables. That's why the term trap game exists. There, there actually is a term for a time in which a better team is almost expected to lose because specifically of variables, right? You've won so many games, there's a tendency to become confident. You've been on the road a certain period of time, and your body starts to break down. You're on the road again, and you're getting extra tired. You're overly confident. You're in L.A. You know, all these different variables start to stack up so that the talent is sort of overridden by the variables. I don't know. I I, I, I felt like that was an important thing to, to relay to you, because when it dawned on me, it was, it was sort of, as a numbers-slash-control freak person, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. But it is sort of nice to be able to say, you know, Believe it or not, and I, this, this is going to offend a lot of people, the jersey you're wearing doesn't necessarily impact the game as much as we might assume. Now, of course it does impact the game. I mean, if they're losing, you better change your shirt or your socks or whatever it is you do. You better switch it up, or you and I are going to have a serious problem. But I'm just saying, it's not all on us. It's kind of up to the Packers, and the Packers are a capable organization of finding a way to win a football game. That, are we are we kind of on the same page with this again I don't I don't I don't mean to, to step on any toes, by the way if you don't have a ritual like that you need to get one because you are probably the reason we lost to the Chargers but it, but again, it's it's mostly on the Packers and the variables et cetera et cetera, but but get your act together here, I'm trying to win a Super Bowl for crying out loud, anyways today we're going to look at some of the things some of the trends correlations numbers. Grade stats, whatever it is we can put together to kind of try to figure out what it's going to take for the Packers to win, kind of shift some of these variables in our favor, things that we kind of hope to see early and often. And if we don't see, you start to worry. And that'll be the plan for today. Um, giveaway ends tomorrow at noon, one of the three. There's still plenty of giveaways to go around, and I'm sure we'll come up with another one when these are done. The T-shirt designs are actually done. I'm just spinning my wheels trying to find a, a certain storefront or whatever where I can showcase them but very excited to show you guys those and get that started because I'm sure come Sunday there's going to be another awesome thing that happens that needs to be documented on a t-shirt but then finally and definitely most importantly we are raising money for uh, the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation you can find a link to this in the description of this show we are almost at $400 again anything that you can give would be greatly greatly appreciated. This will be running now until Christmas, and I mean, really, in just about a week, we are, what, like a a third of the way there in like a week, so I I just, I don't want to lose that momentum. If you're somewhat on the fence, if you've got a little bit of cash, a little bit of change, if you were thinking about donating to me, whatever it is, maybe skip one cup of coffee and just throw it at this. Um, It's obviously a very, very uh, important thing, and I would just ask you to consider that. Thank you so much to everybody that's already given. Very excited for uh, Christmas to roll around and be able to push this money out to the organization. But with that, why don't we take our break and start looking at some stuff. So as you may have noticed, if you're living anywhere in the same region I am, it's getting really cold outside. And apparently there is some sort of Arctic demon that's going to be sweeping across the country soon. And so I wanted to highlight some of the cold weather Mack Weldon items. One of the first things that caught my eye, and every time I do this I, I regret that I don't have this or that, but they have what they call the one-mile slipper. Fantastic just for sitting around getting cozy in the house, but also I'm really comfortable and I don't want to have to get my shoes on to take the garbage out real quick. Boom, one-mile slipper, son. But of course, this isn't just any old, you know, $20 Walmart slippers. These slippers have a memory foam footbed, waterproof and slip-resistant sole, and of course... Anti-Odor Silver XT2 Interior Lining. That's that silver stuff that when it's activated, it actually gets rid of odor. They've also got Tech Cashmere Gloves. Now, cashmere's cool, but it's not usually known to be super great out in the winter elements, right? You get the snow in there, and it gets all wet, and it's just kind of garbage. Well, these aren't your ordinary cashmere gloves, man. First of all, they got the touchscreen fingertips because it's 2019. And if you can't touch a screen, I mean, it's just, I guess I'm just getting frostbite. But these are blended with strong, thermoregulated, water-resistant merino, whatever that is. They call it nature's powerhouse fiber. So basically, they're cashmere gloves without any of the negative effects of cashmere. They've also got hats, scarves, sweatshirts, hoodies, coats, whatever. So if you need something, but you don't want to just get some run-of-the-mill thing, because let's face it, winter comes every year. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being cold all the time. And being thrifty is cool, but once you're a grown-up, you kind of stop growing out of things. You know, you don't need a new winter coat every year. So how about you just get some really good stuff one time, and then you're set for life? Because if quality is what you're looking for, Mac Weldon's a really good place to look. So do yourself a favor, head over to MacWeldon.com. When you're ready to check out, make sure you use promo code OVERTIME for 20% off your first order. And if you do end up checking it out and buying anything, just let me know because I want to know how you like it. Anyways, that's club.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so if you've been listening, you know that one of the things I like to do is look at some of the correlations that teams have between when they win and when they lose. You marry that up with the Packers correlations, you kind of come up with this sort of generalized idea of what needs to happen in this game. So the first thing that um, I would point out, and it's a little bit shocking because you think Panthers, and it's like, all right, pretty good defense, and they got Christian McCaffrey, but otherwise, meh. Do you want to know what the, the, the line in the sand is for when the Panthers win and when the Panthers lose? It's about 30 points. The Panthers are 4-0 when they score 30 points or more, which seems kind of self-evident because most teams are probably either undefeated or close to it when they go over 30 points. However, the team is 1-4 when they score less than 30 points. The only game they've won when they scored less was the Houston Texans game because the Texans could only muster 10 points. So that's pretty wild, and, and as I've said for several weeks now, it kind of seems to want to put the onus on the defense. Granted, no matter what the score is, the offense has to score more than it, but if the defense has a really good day, the Panthers tend to seem to tend to struggle if they can't reach the 30-point mark, which should be attainable. Again, I know Christian McCaffrey's pretty good, and the wide receivers are kind of clicking better than they have in, in Carolina in the past, but, I mean, come on, man, 30 points? In Lambo, in the cold, I think we can. I think we can handle this. I would also like to point a couple other things out, and this doesn't necessarily have to mean anything. But look at the the games they've played so far, and just think weather. Again, you know the, the Packers aren't even necessarily used to it, but just just for just think what are the weather conditions in these games? Arizona, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Los Angeles, Houston. Tampa Bay, San Francisco. I only had two thoughts in any of those places: either burning hot or very nice weather. The only one that might have been chilly is Tennessee in November, but probably just pretty nice. According to this uh, AccuWeather here, it was about 60 degrees, a little colder than the average, but I, I'm, I'm going to call 60 a little kind of comfortable. So this is wildly divergent from the games that they've played. And, and if you look at the four wins that they've had, Arizona, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, Tennessee. So we don't really know how this is going to go other than to say kind of difficult to throw up 20 points or excuse me, 30 points in, you know, 35 degrees, which is what it's expected to be, which actually is, is relatively warm, which is kind of a benefit because as I said, Carolina, it's getting kind of cold down there, but for them practicing in the cold is about 35 degrees. So they're coming up here and they're like, all right, this is what I'm used to. For the Packers, 35 over these last couple of days is like, dude, this is nice. I'm already getting acclimated to the point where if it's if it's like 25 and the sun's out, it's like, all right, this is, this is good. As long as there's no breeze and the sun's out, you know, the, there's a slow melt on the icicles on your car. It's like, this is, this is kind of nice, right? I was all bundled up expecting the frigid air and this, this is fine. If it's 35 degrees, I'm guessing a lot of these guys who are currently living in Green Bay are like, dude, this is nice. So I know I said the weather wouldn't be that big of an impact, and it might not. But you know, just just the fact that everything we know about Carolina is that they've th- they've won when they score lots and lots of points, and the weather has just been beautiful everywhere. I mean, it's, it, if anything, it's been really hot. I mean, they've played three ga- three games in Florida, two games in California, a game in Arizona. I know some of these are domes, but still, and uh, you know, a game in Texas. Now, if you look at the Green Bay Packers, for example and look at their defense, there is a definitive number, and that number really hasn't shifted. It's about 24, 25 points. If teams score more than that, which is not good, and it doesn't speak super highly of the offense, although the, you know it changes when you look at the offense, but when the defense is having a really good day and they keep the team to 24 points or so, the team tends to win. However, the two losses the Packers have had, the other teams scored 26 and 34 points. So looking at both the Packers and the Panthers, if the, if the Panthers get to 30 points based on both of these things... Everything is pointing to the Panthers winning this game. The Packers have never won a game when a team scores 30 points. The Carolina Panthers have never lost a game when they score 30 points this year. Now, that's also kind of true for the Packers, which is kind of weird because everything's sort of pointing to somewhat of a high-scoring game. I guess not necessarily, but it's, it's tricky because the Packers, there isn't a super strong correlation as far as the points that they score. However, for the Panthers' defense, that number is also about 30 points. The one anomaly was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where the defense only allowed 20 points, but the offense only got 14. They lost that game. But they are 0-2 when a team scores 30 or more points. They are 5-1 when a team scores, or when they hold a team to less than 30 points. Now, the Packers have only been over 30 points three times, but they're 3-0, which again, isn't that big of a deal because most teams are. But the next highest score they had was 27, and they lost that to the Philadelphia Eagles. So right away, you got to say it doesn't really correlate anymore. So it's almost as though this game is a race to 30. That's kind of what I'm seeing. When the Packers get to 30 points, they win. When the Carolina Panthers defense lets a team score more than 30 points, they lose. When the Packers defense lets a team score 30 points, they lose, you know, in and the, and the fourth category. Otherwise, it kind of breaks down. Between 20 and 30, the Packers are 3-1. Less than 20, the Packers are 1-1. One one. So uh, there's just not a huge correlation anywhere in there. And you could even be a little bit more specific and say that any time a team has scored more than 24 points on the Packers... Um, they've lost so ideally you just keep them below 24 or at 24 they've had a lot of teams score 24 points three times the Raiders the co- Cowboys and the Chiefs and they won all three of those games and when you look at yards in particular I mean it really just seems like if the offense goes off they're going to win if they don't just completely go crazy they don't so they're undefeated when they when they get 370 yards or more they're 3-2 and two when they're around 350 or less I mean 350 isn't even out of that bad and passing yards isn't exactly that big of a correlation. The most passing yards they have is 313. They lost that game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, essentially over 215 yards, they're 1 and 2. So there's not a real strong correlation there. Rushing yards on the other hand, 150 yards or more, they're 3 and 0. Less than 150 yards rushing, they're 3 and 2. Excuse me, 2 and 3. So really really would like to see better production on the ground. Because right now they have uh, five games over 100 yards one of those games they had 94 yards the only team and they need to be studying this team a lot that has kept the the run game in check is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they did it twice once the Buccaneers allowed uh, 59 yards on the ground the other time they allowed 39 yards on the ground I don't know what they did or how they did that but the Packers need to be studying the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run defense very closely it's a common opponent, too, so there seems to be some kind of a trick that they've figured out about, uh, about the Panthers, so I hope they're watching that. Turnovers, you know, not much. They've turned the ball over three times, three times. Not too much to take from that, because usually when you turn the ball over three times, you're going to lose. Um, they're one and two when they've done that. The only game they won doing that was against the Houston Texans, and again, the Texans only scored 10 points in that game. So, yeah, if, if we can get three takeaways, we're probably going to win the game. However, outside of those games, they only turn the ball over f- four times in five games, no more than one time per game, and they're four and one. So four and one when they give away less than three turnovers. So aside from a complete offensive meltdown where you got fumbles and 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 picks, they're just a pretty solid team. Defensively, makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, there is three games where they've given up more than 400 yards: 407, 431, and 507. They're three and zero in those games. So. Again, this this isn't about their defense. As much as they have a good defense and probably a better defense than they have an offense, the defense just seems to be irrelevant. They win when the offense goes crazy and doesn't turn the ball over. Get a ton of yards, score more than 30 points, don't turn the ball over three times, and the Panthers win. Right? The, the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jaguars scored 27 points, they had 507 yards, 358 yards through the air, 149 yards on the ground, and lost. Why? Panthers scored 34 points, uh, had 445 yards of offense. They ran for 285 yards, right? So they hit on all those points, and they also turned the ball over zero times. Something else to be very cautious of is the the Panthers' defense is very good at taking the ball away. They turned the they got the ball three times in that game. Defensive, you want a correlation? Here's one: defensive turnovers. The Panthers are zero and three with one turnover or less. They have not won a game where they've had more than one turnover. This is, this, is the, this is the strongest correlation so far. And Yes, it has to do with the defense. The offense is still more important. But this is huge, because this is the only actual direct correlation outside of craziness like 30 points or whatever. They have not won a single game where they don't get multiple turnovers on defense. Two or more turnovers, and they're 5-0, and including their game up against Tampa where they had seven turnovers. But they had three against the Jaguars, three against the Titans, two against the Texans, two against the Cardinals. They won every single one of those games. They only had one turnover against the 49ers, one turnover against the Rams, zero against the Bucs. They lost all of those. Now, granted, the 49ers and Rams are just good football teams. However, the Buccaneers, not so much. And again, they lost that game. And it's not even so much turnover differential because they turned the ball over three times and only took the ball away two times and still beat the Houston Texans. So they're technically negative one in that regard. But still, two turnovers by the defense, they win the game. So don't turn the ball over two times. Don't let the Panthers get to 30 points. Don't let Christian McCaffrey run for 150 yards. I mean, if you hit on those three points, I mean, you're, you're, you're hitting a lot of thresholds for them to not win this game. I'm not going to say that we need to get three turnovers, because that's a little crazy, although I'd be okay with it. But I would say those are the biggest things. Keep them under 30 points. Keep them under 150 rushing yards. Don't turn the ball over more than once, ideally zero times. And I think we got this one, especially with home field advantage. We got the weather. We got the crowd. Panthers or Packers are a very good team at home. Even last year when they were a bad team, they're a good team at home. Something else to keep in mind, turnovers are pretty important. The Packers haven't gotten very many recently, right? They were real hot early on. I have four picks in week two, three picks in week five, three picks in week three. Did have two against the Raiders, which was huge, but only one in the last two weeks. The Packers only two losses this year. There were zero turnovers in those games. The Packers have not lost a single game where there's a pick. Just just get one. Just one. That's all I'm asking. And even last year when the Packers were, again, not very good, when they had uh, two or more turnovers, they were undefeated. They didn't win a single game last year without any turnovers. Every single game they won, there was at least one turnover. And again, undefeated with two or more. So even a bad Packers team with two turnovers, game over. So as per usual, points and turnovers are the biggest thing here. Don't turn the ball over. Take the ball away at least once. Race to 30 points. That's it. Anyways, why don't we take our second break, and then we'll come back and look more specifically at matchups. My bookie right now still has um, the Green Bay Packers at five-point favorites. The one thing that kind of stands out is the over-under sitting at 47. I know that's sort of a a general number. It's actually relatively high. But again, I'm looking at two teams that are kind of looking to race to 30 to win. I don't know. I mean, anything could happen. This could be a, a 10 to 17 game. But if there's anything that kind of stands out as being like, just saying. Also right now, the Minnesota Vikings are plus three against the Dallas Cowboys, which is good news. And then we got Chicago and Detroit, which is just a situation where one of them's going to win, one of them's going to lose, and that's something to be excited about. But right now, the Chicago Bears are actually favored in, in that game. Again, I said that's kind of weird. I don't exactly understand it. I know Detroit is kind of tearing down, but I just, I don't really know how the Chicago Bears score points. And Detroit doesn't have a great defense, but still. I I don't know, whatever. Seems a little weird to me. It is in Chicago, and I know there's a general philosophy that says that, you know, at home gives you three points automatically, which isn't exactly true, but you could say that it's maybe just kind of a toss-up right now, and they're giving the Bears three points for being at home, which I I could understand that. So if any of that got you a little bit excited, or if you feel like, I don't know about that, you're thinking you got the beat on something, head over to my bookie, go ahead and throw down a couple. And don't forget, if you join right now, MyBookie's going to match your first deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code OVERTIME to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code OVERTIME to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. On the other hand, if you're sitting on the fence about maybe just going to the game, it's not too late. As I told you, I went decided to go to the game the day of. So you got about twenty-four hours to think it through. Depending on how far away you live. I would not recommend, however, waiting twenty-four hours. So while you're mulling it over, just head over to grab your phone, it's probably already in your hand, download the Vivid Seats app, and just peruse it. Just just see what it looks like, man. See how it feels. Try it on. Maybe swipe over to your bank account and be like, eh, maybe. Don't forget. If you do end up buying something, you are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats loyalty program, meaning you can earn Vivid Seats rewards. So you get a couple points back. So when you go next time, you, know, you got a little bit of something you can throw at it. Your purchase is going to be back by 100% buyer guarantee. So again, head over to the App Store, Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app. Flip through it. If this week doesn't work, maybe a couple weeks does. It's not like you have to wait till the day of. If you got one in mind, go ahead and do it now before the prices skyrocket. But when it comes time to buy, new users, remember to enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. So here's what I think when the Panthers' defense is on the field against the Packers' offense, and I think generally, you know, it's going to depend on what team we're going up against, but I think this is what we're going to see until the Packers can find a way to beat this. I think what defenses are going to be doing, have been doing, are trying to smother the Packers, which is to say they're going to play up close stay close to the line of scrimmage, suffocate the run game with Luke Keekly, right they got good linebackers. They've got some good defensive tackles. I know the general philosophy is run against this team because they're bad against the run. Okay. I'm just saying I think what they're going to try to do is play up close because that's also going to try to take the Packers out of their rhythm because the, the the Packers' rhythm a lot of the time is you know quick, short passes. But when they stack up close to the line of scrimmage, what does that do? That forces the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to say, okay, we need to go over their head. This is exactly when the Packers get into trouble. It seems counterintuitive. Like, why would you do that? Marquez is so fast. He's just going to blow by everybody. Except that isn't working. He's not doing it. And when he does, Aaron Rodgers can't hit him. I know Marquez has got speed, but guys are sticking on him. And so you get two guys over on Devontae, or you kind of shade a safety over to that direction. So you try to get him going on a double move. And maybe he can beat somebody. Maybe he's beating Jackson on the outside. But then you got Trey Boston just kind of sitting there like, mm, I mean, you could try it if you want. I'm going to pick you off. So we can't go to Adams. The connection to Marquez isn't working. We can't do these little shallow crossy things across the middle, you know, Allison trying to go shallow, because Luke Keekley's just right there. And so there's just nothing. I think that's going to be the plan for the Carolina Panthers and what they're going to be looking to do. I think we saw a lot of that last week. And the biggest problem was the pass rush got there quick. So that kind of took away the ability to get deep. So, you know, I, I think, you know, the one-on-one matchups, the 2018 Mike McCarthy version of just run down the field and be faster than the other guy, I think Matt LaFleur needs to find a way to scheme guys open deep. Which is doable. Teams do that all the time. The the Chiefs are real good at that. You know, it's just it becomes a numbers game, especially if you got two guys over close to Adams. We find a situation where, for example, you get a, a tight end and Marquez kind of running down the middle. You know, you got Graham running a seam or whatever, and the, the other safety kind of has to pick his poison. And as soon as Aaron Rodgers sees him jump one direction, you go the other direction, right? You you kind of play those kinds of games. The biggest thing in that situation is going to be the offensive line has to have a really 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 good day. If they're still you know playing like weebles wobbling all over the place and you got Brian Burns who again has not been all that great and you got everybody else which is you know they're so bad to the point where they had to go get Brian Burns because you know they have not been very good what the Packers need is time because what what you ultimately want to do is get them to back off right if you're going to play up and try to suffocate us we're going to go over your head once we can go over your head, the defense needs to back off. That's when we can start hitting Adams shallow. We can start getting Allison. We can start getting Graham. We can start getting Mercedes. We can start getting Marquette. All these guys in these little five, six, seven yard passes that just develop momentum. We can get the run game going. Just get in that rhythm, and that's ultimately what we want. As much as it's like, oh, yeah, let just let it go deep. No, I don't, I don't want it to be just rocket balls deep down the field all the time because then our defense is going to be on the field 24-7, and we're dependent on deep passes to win this game. I, I, nobody should want that. What we need to do is make them pay dearly for playing high risk, close to the line of scrimmage, force them to back off, and then start eating away closer to the line of scrimmage. Now, I don't know that that's going to be the case, but I I think if I was the Carolina Panthers, that's what I would do because the Packers have proven they're not very good at that. And it really just takes away a lot of things. You know, you're, you're going to want to run the ball and establish the run. Okay, well, we're going to play up close. You're going to try to feed the ball to Devontae and do it relatively quickly. Well, we're going to be right in his face, real tight to him. Everything that it that you generally want to do, you're gonna have to do something else. And until you prove that you can hit Marquez 40 yards down the field, not just once a game, right? It doesn't do you any good if the, if your one connection comes in the third quarter, like oh there it is, even though we're down 28 to six. You know this has to happen first drive. We have to show them that that's not going to work. Now if they don't come out and do that, and they're they're generally just kind of spaced out, then it really just becomes a matter of execution. And I, I would go so far as to say. I would try to highlight some of the other guys right away because they're going to show extra attention to Adam. No matter what the game plan is, they're going to put extra attention on Adams because they know uh, Aaron Rodgers wants to go that direction. So if they're going to sort of New England Patriots this, which is to say, we're just going to take away the one thing that you do best, then we need to come out and just pretend he doesn't exist. I'm not saying do that the whole game, but at least to start off, just, just demonstrate to them, I don't even care. We've been winning without him. We can win without him again. Boom. Here's Marquez. Right. there there's Robert Tanyan, there's Jay Sternberger, there's Jimmy Graham, you know, Geron- or, uh, yeah, Geronimo, but Jamal and uh, Aaron Jones thrown to the running backs. We've got so many weapons, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot Adams is on the field, no big deal. Get them to the point where they have to honestly consider, should we take that extra guy off of Devontae, which is the exact wrong thing to do. But I mean, it's kind of like courting a young lady, right? You don't just come out and be like, hey, you know, I really like you. And no, 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 none of that. You gotta be like, I don't care. Like, what? Oh, you're here? I didn't even know you were here. It's so weird. I don't even care. Devontae Adams is Aaron Rodgers' crush, and and, and Rodgers is way too eager. He's got to play it cool, man. Like, psh, I don't even care. I don't even like Devontae. And then when the defense starts to back off and the analogy is breaking down, that's when you start, you know, getting real serious with this relationship. It's like boom marriage, right? Like in eight seconds. Like, oh, you're here? Boom. Want to get married? Like, all right, cool. Again, analogy breaks down a little bit, but you get what I'm saying. Just play it Cool. The, the, the What the offense does best is zig when the defense zags, right? We're going to play up close. We're going to double Devontae. All right, well, that makes it easier to hit Marquez over the top. So we're going to start scheming guys open, you know, beyond 15 yards. And as long as our offensive line can hold up, we've got the offensive-minded intelligence to be able to scheme that uh, availability, especially if you're going to draw extra attention over to Devontae. So we're going to use him as a decoy to start with. To try to get your safety to bite on Devontae, right? A little quick pump fake over to that direction. Pull down the safety. Boom. Jimmy Graham 20 yards down the field. What you know about that? Like, you you really want to play this game? You really want to hug up 10 yards to the line of scrimmage? You want everybody up close? You're going to pull up two linebackers and a safety all up close to the line of scrimmage and press all of our guy? Like, that's what you want to do? And your single high is shaded to Devontae? Like, dude, I'm just going to get you to bite all day long. This is not going to work for you. But again, we got to... We gotta just do what they're giving us and not be like this is our game plan we're going to just do it but the other problem is execution and that was sort of the problem last week all right we, we had a game plan they had plans to take away that game plan we tried to counteract the game plan it just didn't work right? taking deep shots but again they're not getting open and aaron Rodgers not throwing good balls and it's you know marquez you're seven feet tall and you run like a four three just please get open or if nothing else if you got a linebacker tracking jimmy graham down the field let's let's you know Let's get Jimmy doing what Jimmy does. It's a one-on-one matchup. Jimmy Graham is like, what is he, six foot seven? Like, look, this is what's going to happen. They got one linebacker on you. He's going to be on you because you're just not fast anymore. I'm going to throw it up relatively high. Your job is to just mean mug this dude. It's like playing old school 500 and, you know, at at recess. And you're the one kid's big brother that decided you wanted to come over and play with us. And you catch every single one of these balls because it's just not fair because you're bigger and stronger. You're that guy. You're the big brother. And as long as you got one guy down the field by yourself, I'm going to launch it up to you and I expect you to catch it, right? Whatever it takes. And if they're not, and, and, and there, there's always going to be a level of you have to beat the guy in front of you. It can't be a hundred percent scheme, right? that That's great and all. But for example, if you get them to back off and let's say Devontae's starting to get one on one matchups, Devontae's got to win, right? You have to beat that guy. And Aaron Rodgers has to throw a good ball to Devontae. At some level, it always comes down to execution. Be smart. Take what the defense has given you, but then execute. If, if Rodgers is throwing bad balls, if the offense can't block, if the offensive line, I mean, can't block, if guys aren't getting open, if guys are running wrong routes, dropping passes, you know, the, the scheme doesn't matter anymore. It has to be a marriage of both. Take what the defense has given you, use the scheme effectively, you know, play the matchups, play the numbers in your favor, use misdirection, but execution at the end of the day is ultimately what matters. And really, execution can overcome all the other things. This is kind of what you know. Where Mike McCarthy, if, if there's one redeeming thing, it's execution. Ultimately, is what matters. It's just you know, it's nice to try other things as well. But even even if you know they seem to have our number, you know, if you throw it up to Devontae and it's just super tight coverage, and Devontae is just on point, and Aaron Rodgers is just on point, it does, there, there's no stopping it. it. Doesn't even matter if he's double covered. A perfect pass to Devontae Adams. Doesn't matter if there's three guys. You you can't stop it. But obviously, we can't count on that perfect passes to guys every single time, which is where all that other stuff comes into play. But that is my expectation. I think they're going to play up close. They're going to play up tight. They're going to play fast and aggressive and force Aaron Rodgers to try to stay in the pocket and force things down the field, which hasn't been very successful up to this point, right? Of course, you can point to, remember, you know, Marquez, you know, you can point to those one or two times, and I get that. But I'm saying a a long-term strategy to win down by down by down, that's not what they want to do that's maybe what aaron Rodgers wants to do but that's not what we should be doing he would he would haul off and do hail marys every single play if it was up to him it's obviously not entirely true i'm making fun but he he likes that stuff and he's he's a he's a football player he thinks he can execute every single time he's called upon it's a good thing but that's why you have head coaches like look i'm sure you could do it i mean that's obviously but let's try something else real quick like eight yards instead of 80 just just throwing it out there i don't know we'll see on the flip side Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is the main focus. Um, obviously, they're going to try to use him in a way where they can dictate what happens with McCaffrey, and they're going to try to move him around anywhere and everywhere that they can. What they want is to force somebody to be on him that shouldn't be on him. Right? If they're going to sit back in zone, Christian McCaffrey is going to tear that apart. Um, I'm super excited that Ibrahim Campbell is back. I think he can be a real big addition, a great addition to uh, the run defense. I don't know if he's just going to be starting instantly in that role. Something I wouldn't really mind, to be completely honest, is uh, Chandon Sullivan. He isn't going to help anywhere near as much in as far as run support as much as Ibrahim Campbell will, but as far as being a help in coverage, he's our highest graded um, safety right now in coverage. So, I mean, he, 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 he moves around a lot. He's kind of one of those free safety slot corner guys, and the, the bottom line is he's just doing a great job. He's played 69 snaps at uh, free corner. He's played 65 s- uh, snaps in the slot. Free safety. Did I say free corner? I, it's, it's getting to be that time, man. I got to call it quick. Seven times out wide, 10 times he's been in the box. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to pan out, because they don't really like him in the box, and probably for good reason, but chandon sullivan on him in receiving downs i don't think that's the worst thing like if we can throw him out if it's if it's third and eight you're kind of playing the odds a little bit that i mean maybe they're gonna run but probably not christian McCaffrey's gonna be running a route and as far as coverage goes again chandon is is top dog right now fourth highest graded uh coverage grade on the entire team well really third kadar holman is second but he's only played four snap so it goes Tremont, then jair then chandon sullivan which, by the way, Tremont needs to start getting some respect. Everyone's talking about, ooh, we got we got King and we got Jair, this this lockdown duo. Dude, Tremont is the man right now. How many games has Tremont given up 100-plus yards? How about zero? I mean, he doesn't have all the flashy highlight reels and stuff, and, and probably because he just locks a guy down, right? And here I am talking. I'm going to jinx him. He's going to give up 100 yards in this game. But Tremont has been the absolute man. He's garbage against the run like all of our corners, but he's actually a solid tackler. And he's got an 81.6 coverage grade, which is to say very good. The next highest, Jair, is at 75. Chandon Sullivan is also at 75. Super big props to Tremont. Jair, so far this year, has given up 529 yards. Uh, Kevin King has given up 567 yards. Tremont Williams has given up 222. That's it. Kevin King's allowed 30 receptions. Jair's allowed 31 receptions. Tremont's allowed 18. Kevin's been targeted 51 times, Jair's been targeted 58 times, Tremont's been targeted 28 times. I mean, the guy's just playing really, really, really good football right now, and nobody's giving him any love. I mean, I'm excited that Amos is here, Tremont's been better. I'm excited for Savage, Tremont's been better. You could argue that Jair... Now, now, listen, Tremont does not have this kind of skill set that Jair, really, really any of these guys, but as far as just being a good football player, and I know I'm off on a tangent right now, but needs to be said as far as just good solid football play Tremont is the man and you want to know why a guy like Tremont goes off when you're playing the Chargers is because he's been putting in the work he's been playing real good football when you got guys that just aren't really showing up aren't really playing well guys like that are going to get really upset especially when he's at the very tail end of his career and he can see that this is a real opportunity for him to hoist a trophy he's got an opportunity for you know maybe one more shot at this And you got the youngins who are out partying and you end up losing a game. Yeah, I'm probably going to flip out a little bit too. But he is playing really, 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 really well. So anyways, Chandon Sullivan, wouldn't mind seeing him out there in certain situations. Right? Give me Ibrahim on like first and 10. Give me Ibrahim on third and short or second and short or anything in short. But you get into those third and long situations, I want coverage guys out there. I think that'd be a great opportunity for Chandon to go out and uh, to play him in coverage over Christian McCaffrey you know it's, it's not advantage Chandon it's always advantage Christian McCaffrey I just want to try to tip the scales as best as I possibly can right keep the coverage close enough that he doesn't want to throw in that direction get some pressure right just just tip the scales as much as in our favor as is possible otherwise the the team really comes down to two fairly good wide receivers so there, there's good options Christian McCaffrey is the main thing but really the I mean it Jair and Kevin King need to have a really good day, and I don't think Tremont's going to have too much of a problem because their slot receiver, Jarius Wright, is just straight up trash. Again, I'm sure I'm jinxing this. I'm saying how great Tremont is, I'm saying how trash Jarius Wright is. This is an easy game for him. Tremont's going to give up 150 yards, and I'm going to feel really bad about it. I promise I'll change my socks and my, you know, I'll give myself a haircut if I have to. I don't know what I got to do, but I'll, I'll try to fix it. But there's a, a pair of decent wide receivers in Debo Samuel and DJ Moore. And, you know, Jair and Kevin King have the amount of talent required, but we have not seen one game, I don't think, in the history of this franchise in which Jair and Kevin King have played well on the same field on the same day. It's just never happened. I think Kevin King has had two good games. Those are the two really bad games for Jair. I don't know what it's going to take for these guys to just play real good, strong, solid football, but it's, I mean, it's got to happen at some point, and and this would be a really good game because if somebody decides, I'm just going to play terrible today... I mean it's just it's game over because these guys do have I mean they're, they're not true elite number one guys but they do have more than enough talent to be able to take advantage of a corner that's just not going to show up and that's when it becomes complicated because when you got wide receivers that are carving you up and you have to try to draw so much attention to Christian McCaffrey it becomes problematic now and I it, it's almost not even worth time talking about this but the interior of the offensive line has been struggling the tackles are good not great so as I'm looking at this, I'm saying, oh, man, Kenny Clark, this would be a good opportunity for the defensive line. De-. We have played the worst interior offensive lines basically in football and have done absolutely nothing. I'm not putting any hope in this. I'm not picking any of these guys in the stock market game this week. I'm just – I've given up. I don't care anymore. I don't know what it's going to take, but I mean, it's just they, – they they can't beat the worst of the worst. And whether you, you want to say it's not on Kenny because he's double teamed or it's not on Kenny because he's hurt, which is hilarious because any time you trash anybody, look, he's hurt. Every single person on this team is hurt. If they're playing, they need to make plays. If they're too hurt to play, they don't play. They can sit on the bench. Stop saying that. So tired of hearing that. Nick Perry, in his one dominant year, he had a club on his hand. I don't want to hear it. But, I mean, it it could go either way. This could be a real big rebound game. Where essentially Christian McCaffrey is is in the mix, and he's probably going to have some good plays, but they can't really throw the ball because their quarterback is garbage, and their wide receivers end up getting shut down by our corners because our corners have enough talent to be able to do that, and we you know we get some great pressure on the interior because their offensive line isn't great, and the Smith brothers obviously are dominating you know Dennis Daly and Taylor Moten because they're just dominant, and it's just the Packers just run away with it, or guys don't show up. There's no answer for Christian McCaffrey. They keep giving up big plays. McCaffrey has a 70-yard touchdown run and a 60-yard reception, and Debo Samuel has a 40-yard completion on third and 20, and it's just the same old garbage over and over again, and we don't have an answer, and it comes down to hopefully we can squeeze out a victory in the end because the defense has no answer for this blah, 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 blah. Could go either way. I don't know, but those are my, that, that's my, my basic thought. The, the corners are good enough to stop the wide receivers the our defensive front is is more than capable should be more than capable of beating their offensive line the biggest question mark is going to be how do you stop christian mccaffrey hopefully ibrahim campbell will be able to help against the run and they come up with some kind of a game plan to to minimize his impact in the passing game and and really it just comes down to if we can get these smith guys going in this defensive line tyler lancaster right kenny clark dean lowry who got a bunch of money and is having what is it is this his worst yeah this is easily his worst year ever his three years playing, 72, 68, 73. This year, 54. Why? Why is this happening? Why? why I, I don't know. Guy got a massive contract, and he just, he's just not getting it done. And again, really, really bad offensive lines we've been playing the last few weeks. Zero impact. I like Dean, but he's very quickly becoming a waste of money. And if, if you know, here's the thing. I always think, like, man, there's, I'm never going to get a Packer player on this team because I talk too much trash and they just they're not going to like me and I, I i don't care. I know Dean Lowry is better than that. I know Dean Lowry is a football player which means he has a lot of pride. If he doesn't have enough honesty to say I'm playing like garbage and I need to step it up, then I don't care. But if he does have that level of honesty, then he's going to hear me and he's going to understand that what I'm saying is true and he's going to agree. I need to play better. I'm not living up to this contract. I'm going to show up and I'm gonna absolutely annihilate this offensive line and I'm gonna go ahead and get the quarterback. What I hate is when people play poorly and then they go whine and moan when people don't like their play. And they make all kinds of excuses for themselves and all this other nonsense. Well, you don't understand what's really going on out there. Yeah, yeah, I do. I understand. I don't I don't I don't need to be in football for fifteen years and be an expert with a PhD and in, in in, you know, Madden NFL know it allness to understand that you're not getting any pressure on quarterbacks to understand that you're not having any impact on the run game whatsoever. And double team or not, Kenny Clark needs to do a better job especially when there's a guy running right by him, to get that big old bear paw wrapped around him. That used to be Kenny Clark's bread and butter. Now he's got one-on-one matchups and a guy runs right by him and rather than shedding and just bringing the guy down because I mean this that's a no-brainer. Kenny's going to stick one arm out, he's going to run right through his arm and that's it. Garbage. Right now, our highest-graded defensive lineman is Tyler Lancaster, a guy that has zero ability to rush the passer. Why? Because he's just good enough to hold a guy, an offensive lineman, in his spot, and if somebody runs by him, he tackles him. And that is good enough to make you the best defensive lineman on this team. That's garbage if your name is Kenny Clark or Dean Lowry. This offensive line is garbage. We have, you could argue, the best pass rushers in the NFL. Might struggle with that argument, but you could do it. And still, the team does not do very well overall as as a pass rushing team. Why? Because there are only pass rush. Enough of that. Kingsley, Kiki, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster. I don't care who or how. Push the pocket, get some pressure. You have to help. You have to contribute. It's it's absolutely unacceptable and 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 ridiculous that we have Gudikuns go out and make such fantastic moves as to get Preston and Zedarius, who are who are. Right now, one of the best pass rush duos in football. But then the defensive line is like, oh, good. I don't have to do anything now. That, that was the strength of our entire defense the last two, three years was our defensive line. Kenny Clark is one of the rising stars in the NFL. And he's still doing decent as a Pat. We just need more. And Dean, you got to help too. Come on, man. Big old contract. Let's not worry about spending that money and having a good time right now. Let's try to get some quarterbacks. And then when the season's over, you go spend some of that money. But come on. Because I honestly, what I'm looking at is a fairly easy win. There are there are challenges like Christian McCaffrey, but this offensive line should not be able to contain Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, Darius Smith. These wide receivers are not good enough to be able to go 200 yards against Kevin King and Jair Alexander. Their slot corner should not even be on the field. Their quarterback is is terrible. Just 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 please, please just come on. The Carolina Panthers are a a a solid team. They're a well coached team. They're gonna put up a fight, but Just be better because you are better. Just play like it. Redemption time. You don't like people talking about you. You don't like people talking. Fine. Then do something about it. I mean, if you want your life to be, I'm not going to play very well, but I'm just going to say that people don't know and I'm a victim and wait for all your your fan lackeys to come out and be like, I still love you, man. They just don't know. They don't appreciate greatness. And And that's what you want your life to be. Fine. You want to be propped up by a bunch of fans that don't care how bad you are. I mean, you're watching, you know, just be better. Kevin King, I've been talking a lot of trash. And really, it's not even talking trash. I'm just explaining. Like, oh, look, he's not good. Next player, oh, look, he's pretty good. I have no vested interest in in saying bad things about any player on this team. I'm just being honest. So rather than showboating around and talking about we're great and all this stuff, and that's cool. I like a little swag from wide receivers and corners. It kind of helps a little bit, it seems to. But I think we're kind of treading into don't talk about it, be about it territory. Because there's a lot of talk, and there's been zero backup, unless your name is Zadarius Smith, basically. Kind of pressed him, but he had a bad week last week, so hopefully there's a rebound. But outside of that, Amos, we're not getting much. I mean, he hasn't been doing hardly much of anything. Savage has been hurt, but I mean, outside of the first couple weeks, nothing. Martinez has done nothing. Clark, Lowry, Lancaster, King, Alexander. I mean, it's it's the Zedarius Smith show out there. Don't talk about it, be about it. That's it. You want people to stop talking, then shut their mouth for them. And you do that by playing well. I don't care what you say in the locker room. You being mean to me in the locker room isn't going to get me to stop saying what is very evident. You're not playing well. Go play well. You know what I'm going to do on this podcast? I'm going to come on here and say, hey, he played well. It's a very simple formula. That's it. I don't know. I got nothing else. Anyways, you folks, enjoy your Saturday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.